this being the uh, Sunday that we celebrate the Epiphany as, as uh, Phil shared with the young people this morning. Epiphany means manifestation, which is somewhat of an interesting phrase as you put it all together. Uh, but it is reflected around the, the time that the Magi were supposed to have visited the house where Jesus was, was living, uh, following his birth in Bethlehem. It's celebrated on all sorts of different days, as is Christmas, depending on whether you're in the western part of the world or the eastern part of the world. But it's uh, what I thought as I reflected about it is the whole concept of manifestation. That, that doesn't sort of ring to me as an ending, but a beginning. Not a time when the Magi finally showed up and, okay, that's over and it's past. But this is just the beginning of what God is wanting to do. And as I pondered on that a little bit, I thought, well, here's New Year's Day. This is New Year's. This is the beginning. We make resolutions. We make all sorts of thoughts and things like that. And how well does then a celebration of epiphany, of manifestation, fit with a new year? And it's just kind of an interesting thought that I wanted to share with you as we begin. I want to read to you out of Isaiah, chapter 61, this time. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort those who mourn, to grant to those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, an oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that He may be glorified, that they shall build up the ancient ruins, they shall rise up in the former devastations, they shall repair the ruined cities and the devastations of many generations. Strangers shall stand and tend your flocks. Foreigners shall be your plowmen and vine dressers. But you shall be called priests of the Lord. And they shall speak of you as ministers of our God. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we pray that your Holy Spirit would move and minister among us. And Lord, I pray that anything that I would say would be translated and, and reshaped, Lord, in our minds and hearts to what you would say. Let your Holy Spirit teach us in these moments your truth and unfold our hearts and excite us, Lord, to what you are manifesting before us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I guess you would say if there's any possibility text in the Bible... This is certainly one of the best. It is, a, it is a possibility text par excellence. Isaiah's words ring with excitement. They ring with challenge of what can be, of what really God wants to be. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. 
because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, to open the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Think about those words just a little bit. Think about them maybe in a little bit of a different context than what you normally think. Think about the good news to the poor. Think of those poor, yes, as, as people who have physical needs, but think beyond that to the Sermon on the Mount where we're talking about the poor of spirit. You see, it's a bigger meaning. Think of that all the way through, to bind up the brokenhearted, not just those who are, who are sad and hurt, but to those who have a broken heart, who don't know God. To proclaim liberty to the captives, those of us captured by our world, our world of compromise, our world of, 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 that lives not for God but, but for itself. The opening of the prison doors to those who are bound. The year of the Lord's favor. You see how much broad the meaning of that passage can be. And does our world, does, does our world, you're in my world, need, need a dose of that glory of God? Or do we? It is so appropriate for our moment. Do we need a dose of that glory of God? For sometimes our weary bones and our weary souls, as we've been dragging along and trying to say, Lord, help us, you know, move me. It's so dull. I'm so bound. I wouldn't suggest to you that this coming year, 2024, is going to be the easiest year we've ever had. Certainly not going to be the hardest year we've ever had. I would suggest only that it can be, it has the potential to be, one of the best years we've ever had. Lots of frustrations, lots of surprises out there that we don't now, now expect. That's life. <laughs> That's just the way it's always going to be. But success can always be measured in accumulation or abundance or accomplishment. If this coming year brings us closer to God and closer to one another and to our friends, if this year finds us falling more deeply in love with the passion of our Christ, our Lord, for the world in which He lived and we live as well, if this year leads us to experience more deeply the power and presence of the Holy Spirit, if it helps us to value more highly the things that really matter and causes us to appreciate more deeply the gift of simply being alive, it will be a great year. It will be a great year regardless of the circumstances. That's our challenge. That's our hope for a rich and rewarding new year. Let me give you some reasons why I and, and we should, should have hope for maybe the best year we've ever had. Now, I'll say that same thing again next year and next year and next year. It's always going to be a better year. God just keeps getting better and better and better. You know, as you're growing in Him, it's always the truth. But the first thing I want to point out is we know who we are. We know who we are. That's simple, but it's profound. It is the foundation. It's the bedrock. One of Isaiah's primary tasks was to remind the people of God who they were. Who they were. 
You know, think about the world they lived in. And we think our world is bad. Their world was falling down all around them. They were soon going to be, be captives. They were soon going to big powers outside of, of, the, of, their, of their bounds, their country, were threatening to overrun them and overtake them and always nipping at the heels. They were no ordinary, run-of-the-mill, ragtag outfit. They weren't just common people. They were God's own people. They were God's anointed. They were the chosen, His chosen. You know, like the Marines, they were the the few and the proud, right? Isaiah said that they will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that He may be glorified. On down in verse 6, it says, You shall be called priests of the Lord. How does that feel? You, me, we are priests. Priests of the Lord God. And, and they shall speak of you as ministers. Others, the world, will speak of us as ministers of God. They almost say some other things about us as well. But they will know the truth. They will know the truth. Sometimes we need to be reminded of who we are. We need to be reminded so that we can lift up our head and we can go out into this world and we can minister. For He who has sent us, He who has anointed us, He who has called us, He who has chosen us, you and I, we are God's people. We are God's people. We're those for whom Christ died. We are His sons, His daughters. We belong to the best family in town, don't we? God's family. God's family. And we should always be mindful of that. Uh, an unknown poet, unknown to me, unknown to anywhere I could find, once wrote this little thought. He said, I may be young and I may be old, but I am somebody, for I am God's child. I may be educated, I may be unlettered, but I am somebody because I am God's child. I may be black, I may be white, but I am somebody, for I am God's child. I may be rich, I may be poor, I may be fat, I may be thin, I may be married, I may be divorced, but I am somebody because I am God's child. I may be successful, I may be a failure, I may be a sinner, I may be a saint, but I am somebody, for Jesus is my Savior, and I am God's child. That's that's the greatest secret of life. To know that you and I are somebody. Somebody. Because we are God's children. I am God's child. You are God's child. You might not be a Rockefeller or a a Kennedy or a Roosevelt or any of those famous guys. You may not be a Bill Gates kind of person or Elon Musk. or Just think of who all the big famous people are. Our parentage is so much more exalted than that. So much more exalted. We have God as our Father. Wow. Doesn't get any better than that. We know who we are. We know who we are. And that reason alone assures that this year can be the best year ever. But there's more, of course. 
There's another reason to have hope and expectation as we go into a new year, and that's because we can know, we can know where we are going. We're not walking around in the dark. We don't have a, a, an unknown future. We have a future. You know, as the old song says, I have a home in glory land, right? We know where the, where the home is. We know where the future is. Promised by the Almighty Creator God. We know where we're going. We know. You know, it's not a given, except at the final destination. But when you're looking at what we're going to be doing next week or what we're going to do next month, we, we don't know all the details. We don't know everything that's in there. But, but we can know. We can know. It's go, it takes faith, takes trust, takes obedience. But it's a gift we have from God if we are in obedience and walking with Him. We can know that we're going to be happy. We can know that we're going to have the joy of the Lord within us. We can know we're going to be at peace. We can know that even though some of the seeds we sow don't seem to bear fruit, they will in God's time and in God's purpose. Jesus didn't come into our world simply to die for our sins. We need to know that. We need to figure that out. Sometimes that's all we, that's, we stop right there. Jesus came into this world to die for my sin. Indeed, that's the act that makes everything else happen, makes everything else possible. But the cross is the means, not the end. Not the end. Not the end for you and me. It isn't just we say Jesus and that's it. I don't know if you've heard me say it or not, but I've often said it and thought about, thought about it. And the old Star Wars thing, that we, or uh, Star Trek thing, where you got Scotty would get beamed up or Scotty would beam everybody up. I always thought when I could say yes to Jesus and, and, and give my life to Him, I ought to be beamed up. Let's go to heaven. Why not have that instant success? Well, the reason you don't have it is that's not God's purpose for you. Oh, yes, God wants you into the kingdom. God chooses you for that purpose. God chooses you for that purpose. But God has work for us to do. He has something for us to be about. We need to know where we're going. And we can know that as we spend time in His Word, as we spend time in prayer, as we listen to His voice, as we yield ourselves to the movement of His Holy Spirit. You know, these, these verses I read a moment ago, that our lives are to be so that He may be glorified. That's why we're here. That's why we're here. Not that we may be glorified. Not that everybody will bow and look at us as, what a good boy am I? What a good girl am I? What a fine Christian am I? In fact, in the world we live in, that's getting to be less and less and less. What a good Christian am I? Am I glorifying God? Is He being exalted? The NIV says that our lives are to be for the display of His splendor. I love that. The display of His splendor. Your life, my life, our life as a church, our life together, for the display of His splendor. You and I are going into this new year to reflect and to bring glory to God. As verse 6 says, we are to be His priests and ministers and we'll serve Him and we will help others to come to know Him. That's a purpose. That's a purpose. Everybody needs to know where they're going. 
Everybody. Maybe it would do us well when we talk to our children about what do you want to be, a doctor, a lawyer, a, you know, a plumber, an electrician. What do you want to be when you grow up? Fireman? Most of them will say something like that. Policeman? Used to be policeman. What do you want to be? I want to be a priest of the Lord God. I want to minister His glory to people around me. That's, that would be pretty phenomenal, you know? I wish, I wish my children would have adopted that philosophy. I wish maybe that I had spent more time, you know, pounding that into their little head and brain and heart as if that would have maybe done any good. That's, that's the prayer of every parent for their child. And that's God's prayer for us. That we would be His ministers and that we, we would be His priests and that we bring glory to His name as we walk and talk and do the things we do together. Everyone needs to know where they're going. It's what gives us purpose. It's what gives us meaning in our life. And to that end, Isaiah painted a picture, an idyllic picture of peace and a prosperous time, a time when the peoples of the world would look to God's people for advice and guidance and inspiration. You see, Isaiah understood the power of a vision. He understood that. If he could help his people to see what could be, what God wanted to be, if he could get them to buy into this victorious vision and, and make a move toward its realization, God would bless his people in wondrous ways. And that's true. God has a reason for our being here. God has a reason for your being here. Every one of us. No accidents here. No accidents in God's kingdom. God has a purpose. God has a plan. And, and people who arrive, people who arrive are those who follow the leading of the Holy Spirit and know where they are going. They may not know but one step at a time, but they know they need to take that step. Where is God guiding our church? Where is God guiding you? What direction is He nudging in your life? What are those things that you sort of feel like, I need to do this? I hate to call those resolutions because those things have gotten so passe that they're something we make on Monday and forget on Tuesday. But it's part of the season. It's part of a new beginning. It's sort of a natural thing. Where am I headed? What do I want to do this year? How, how do I want to be a better person, a better father, a, a better husband, a better Christian? How can I walk closer with God? And so we have all sorts of things that come out, all sorts of little guides and Bible reading plans and all those kind of stuff. I'm going to read through the Bible in a year. Got a, got a piece right out here on the table to help you do that. You know, we've got all that stuff. It takes a little more than just a piece of paper and a, and a resolution. It takes a heartfelt change and a commitment. But we can be there. Which way do we want to go? What are some very specific needs for you, your family, your church, that God would have you take hold of right now? You know, there's nothing impossible with God. Nothing. Take hold of His vision and live it. Live it this year. Commit to it. 
that not only will it be for this year, but it will really be for all eternity. Know who you are. Know where you are going. One final thought. We can know that God goes with us. We don't make this journey alone. God doesn't call us to do anything spectacular in this world. Oh, He does. Without His presence. Without His power. We're called to do the supernatural. Reflect again on your neighbor. (laughs) Or reflect again on that hard person that you've been trying to share Jesus with for the last how many years? It's a supernatural need. Reflect again on how hard it is to share faith and, and the promise of God to our family. It's a supernatural task. We need a supernatural power behind us. And God promises that He'll go with us every step of the way. God is always with us. Jesus in Hebrew 13.5 says, I will never leave you or forsake you. It's a promise. Or in Matthew 28, Surely I am with you always, always, even to the end of the age. What a comfort it is. What, what a reassurance it is to know that not only does God call us, but God equips us and walks with us through the process. Gives us the supernatural that is required for the task. We will live in a world of terrorists and bombings and all the wars and murders and sickness and death. And in a culture that we're living in, it's getting darker and darker and darker at times, farther and farther and farther away from God. And we, we bemoan all that. And properly, we should. But we shouldn't just sit there and moan. God isn't moaning. God is calling us to be priests and ministers. God is calling us to light a fire, a big fire, so that all the world can see that we're reflecting His glory, His presence, His power. You know, when Jesus stood in the temple as a young boy, He read this passage that we read this morning. He read this passage. And and when He finished, according to Luke, He said, Today this Scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. He was saying that He was God. God was still with them. God was still with, is still with us. Still with His people. Still bringing hope. Still bringing healing power. Still bringing life. 2024 can, can and should be a best year ever because the possibility is there. And the promise is there. God holds it out. He holds it right out before us. Will we believe it? Will we accept it? Will we live it? Will we realize who we are? Is that we are children of God. That we are His chosen. That we are empowered by His Holy Spirit for the work that we're called to, to do and for the life that we're called to live. Will we realize where we're going, our purpose, our direction, what He wants out of us? Will we have a kingdom vision of what God can do with us? Individually, one person, and what God can do with His church. Will we realize God goes with us every step of the way? No matter what happens, no matter what circumstances are around us, no matter how dark it might seem or how bright it might seem, God is right there with us. 
leading us, empowering us, taking us every step of the way. Isaiah's words are a challenge. They're a challenge to each and every one of us to life, to life in Christ. Our Redeemer has come. It's already there. It's already possible. His Holy Spirit is in our hearts as His believers, as His children. Looking to a new year, I want to see the lame walking and the blind seeing. I want to see bodies being healed and miraculous, more commonplace. Miraculous, you and I can't do. Miraculous, God does. I want to see souls being saved that we never thought would darken the door. I want to see people coming alive in Christ so often, so much, so many times. Beyond anything we can think or imagine. I want to see the weak growing in faith and growing strong in their walk with the Lord. I want to see the mountain moved and the ocean stilled. And I want to see the power of prayer manifest. Oh, there's that word. Manifest for us all to see. I want to see the lost and confused finding hope in the only name by which they can be saved. The name of Jesus. It's up to us to proclaim that truth. What opportunities we have. Wow. What possibilities are ours. What a privilege. What a privilege it is to reflect, to shine for the glory of God. To proclaim Him in our life. To proclaim Him as a body of believers. To shout Him from the housetops, as His Word says. To proclaim indeed, as Isaiah said, the year of the Lord's favor. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we do love you. Oh, we do.